I'm Nina van Tilburg for BizNews. Dr. Thiels Eerloff is the former executive director of the F.W. de Klerk Foundation and a former vice-chancellor of Northwest University, and he's known as a reconciler and a negotiator. He has come out against the Basic Education Amendment Bill, saying it is a bitter attack on Afrikaans education. He has also called on South Africans to cross the ANC Rubicon, saying that the once-powerful liberation movement has shriveled into a gang of corrupt villains and that it's time for political change. Dr. Yellow, that's quite a mouthful. Welcome to Biz News. Thanks, Linda. Can we start about that statement you made about time for South Africans to cross the Rubicon? What do you mean by that? Well, you know, the, the ANC has been in power for almost 30 years and they've had a, a good run at it uh, and they've basically buggered it up. That's a short version. The longer version perhaps is that although there had been some, some gains in the early years of our democracy, even in the early days of Tabo Beke's uh, presidency uh, and obviously then Jacob Zuma and after him Sir Ramaphosa, things has just gone from, from bad to worse. Uh, many of the, of the things we associate with the bad things in South Africa, we blame on Zuma and, and you know, he has a lot to, to answer for. But some of the things um, started happening already in the in the Mbeki era, and I'm thinking here specifically cater deployment. I'm thinking racial transformation and black economic empowerment, uh, and 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 it gone wrong. With Zuma, he took those things uh, to a high level, as as we know. And unfortunately, with uh, President Ramaphosa coming in first as leader of the ANC and then as as uh, president of South Africa, we had all hoped that he would he would act decisively. Uh, with leadership, and for whatever reason, it's still a mystery to many of us, that has not happened. And therefore, what, what has happened is that the ANC uh, has internal strife, and it's often these days not anymore ideological. Uh, there's some ideology at the, at the economic level, but it's mostly about materialism, uh, positions, money, who can steal more, who can be involved in corrupt networks, uh, and, and that hasn't stopped. And in a sense, although the macro state capture of a Jacob Zuma era has to some extent subsided, it's been replaced or even been supplemented by an endemic uh, corruption in, in the civil service in many provinces and obviously local governments. And therefore, I've been quite vocal about this. I actually wrote an article in 2020 where I asked the question, can the ANC self-correct? And I gave a few examples of what is possible if there would be strong leadership, if there would be a lifestyle audits, if there would be the implementation of the Zonda Commission's recommendations. There is that possibility. And, and about two months ago, when I re-looked at that article, I wrote about it again and I said, well, if that had happened, we might have had a different situation, but today it's even worse. Uh, and therefore, I concluded that the ANC even if some leaders wanted it, will not be able to correct itself. And and that goes for government to a large extent too. So we're in a very bad situation at the moment. And the reaction of uh, the governing party to, to many things come down to two basic things. The one is more centralization and control, even though they don't have the ability and the competence to control anything. And secondly, more racial transformation. Uh, because their policies had failed and they wanted our force 
the minorities out of out of their uh, positions, and I think that's that's why it, it will not be able to correct itself, and that's why we, I, I think, it's time for for political change. But if you look at the electorate, they tend to always vote for the ANC. These problems have been coming for thirty years. Some of them. Do you really expect the electorate to now turn away from the ANC? Well, obviously, it remains to be seen at the at the polling booths uh, in twenty twenty four. I think if you if you read not only the formal media but also social media, I think we can see a, a realization amongst Black South Africans that the ANC is not been able to do what it, it had promised and and it, it's it's gone the other way almost service delivery is, is non-existent and I think the the sort of most visible and tangible proof of that is that we back at stage six load shedding now for some time the minister of electricity said that we'll see the end of load shedding soon I never believed that because the system is the problem and the system won't be rectified quickly. And so I think the ANC, every time we have load shedding and we lose productivity and Transnet is not transporting stuff and the economy is struggling, most South Africans, even those at the lower levels of education, will understand this is the ANC's fault. So I hope, uh, I, I do think that there is still what someone called the gogo effect, that some ANC middle-aged people wouldn't vote for anyone else because they would think that their gogo or their mother or grandmother would be uh, disappointed. But I think a younger generation is more and more saying, look, uh, we didn't uh, sign up for this. Uh, we won't change. I had a discussion the other day with a young uh, black leader of an NGO, and he said, we know who's responsible. You don't need to tell us who's responsible. We know exactly that the ANC is responsible for the mess we're in. So I think there's, there's hope uh, that uh, the electorate will, even though the ANC still has a stranglehold on many institutions, I think, you know, uh, we've seen it in, in business, we've seen it in the churches. I think slowly but surely it, it's going to go the other way. And it might not be that we have a, a victory for the opposition in, in this 2024 elections, but I do think that we will make progress. And uh, so what I, and obviously this is conjecture on my side, and it's sort of a gut feeling as, as the scenarios always are. My sense is that the ANC will b get between 48 and 52% of the vote in 2029, and that it would, if it gets less than 50%, it will form a coalition with the smaller parties, the hangers-on or the rats and mice in Parliament, the Algemars of the world, good and so on, and that it will keep on staggering from disaster to disaster because it, it doesn't have the capacity to govern better. Because of that, and because the ANC is, is a rural-based party more and more, if they do get 48%, it will mean that the two urban areas, uh, urban regions, Gauteng and Kwasinertel, could very well go to the to, to an opposition, possibly a DAE or a multi-party charter opposition in Gauteng, and a KZM, it could be an IFB opposition. So that would be the first phase of, of what I call a three-phase transition. Uh, the second phase would be that a mere two years after that, we'll have the local government elections. And because the ANC would have lost patronage of provincial government and money and tenders and corruption, in Gauteng and Kozin and Natal, the chances are very good that 
Johannesburg, Pretoria, Ikurulini, and Itikbini Durban would go decisively to the opposition. And that would be the second phase of the transition. And then the third phase would be the ANC falling below 35% over 2029 elections. And it will be relegated as its cousins on a PF to a rural-based party. Now, I think this is a more realistic scenario uh, than the opposition tried uh, getting 51%. But look, let's say that the days of miracles are not yet past. So it, it may be that there's a black swan event and it happens. But I think the scenario of a three-phase transition is probably more realistic. And what will happen to President Ramaphosa? Because if you look at him, generally people think that he doesn't feel like governing anymore. He seems a bit listless unless there's an international stage that he can shine on like when BRICS happened. Yeah. Look, I, I think he almost got a new lease on life with the old BRICS episode and with the Russia escapade because you know he was in the international limelight. And I think it suits... It suits its, its style better to be a you know reconciler and and be up there, uh, and that's good. I don't want that not to happen to him. But the problem is that nothing has changed on the ground. So there are two scenarios here: the ANC could either get rid of him before the twenty twenty four election and let Paul Mashatila run with that. That would I think be a mistake because Ramaphosa has always been more popular than the ANC. I think they will be stupid to do that. On the other hand, if they do badly in the 2024 election, and even if they win by a margin or through a coalition, they may get rid of him then. Uh, someone must take the blame and then bring Masitila in. Now, that would, would also be a, a mistake, I think, but obviously it will be good for the opposition. Uh, I don't think Paul Masitila has the, has the expertise or the knowledge to help a country pick itself up and help the ANC to to be a better governing party. So my scenario of the loss of the two provinces and there after some of the metros, I think remains, and it's probably even a stronger scenario, stronger possibility than if Ramaphosa stays. I think the one thing that happens to parties, and, and it happened to the National Party, is they, in the last five years of their tenure, they got almost removed from reality and removed from what was happening on the ground. And one of their ministers who later was a member of ANC, said to me, that's exactly what happened to us. What's now happening to Silver Ramaphosa happened to them. And I think it's it's largely to do with the people he surrounds himself with, people who keep him away from reality, tell him what he, they think he would like to know, and he, they don't do him a service. So what is your view about the multi-party charter that opposition parties got together? Um, you said you don't think they're going to win this election. You've been a conciliator. You've brought parties together. What's your advice to them? What should their next step be? Well, I think they did very well to to bring uh, Professor William Gomeda in as the sort of permanent chair of, of that process. Uh, my information is that he's, he's played a very important role, calming role, with all the egos in the room, even at the first meeting. Uh, I think he also if not uh, initiated, at least supported the name change from the DA name Moonshot back to the multi-party charter, which I think will make it much easier for other parties to join and also will probably enhance the buy-in and the ownership of all seven of those parties into that process. So I must say with him there, I have a bit more confidence that the multi-party uh, charter people could, could do well. 
I mean, it's also true that some of the smaller parties like the United Independent Movement or ECOSA could probably gain in stature just by being part of that process. So they may get, may get a few votes that they wouldn't have get otherwise. I, however, also feel that if you look at South African politics, there's basically a, a far left, a left, a center, and not much on the right, really. And so if you look at the center, there are parties who are part of the center, but who are not part of the multi-party charter. And some of them may join, I think, of, of someone like Musin Mamani or the Patriotic Alliance of Gaten McKenzie. I think someone like Zungeza Zibio of Rise and Zanzi would probably not join the charter, uh, although he would agree with most of the principles, but he has a different target audience. Uh, he specifically said in public that he's f- focusing and targeting disgruntled ANC voters and the youth, the unregistered and the youth who had not yet voted. And, and, and that's a different pool of voters than that the charter would go for. And I, would, I think that's actually a good thing. Uh, but I do think that whatever happens uh, in the 2024 election, that Reisman Zanzi, uh, Bosa of the Musen Namani, and the PA of Gaten McKenzie are part of the center. Obviously, there are also individual ANC members who are part of the center, but they, they can't cross the Rubicon yet, so they may do it later. And then you've got the, the left of the ANC and the EFF and PAC and so on on the far left ideologically. And I, and I think that the multi-party charter has started a process to build the center. That's the first point. And secondly, that if they play their cards right and they're wise uh, and not alienate uh, other parties outside the charter but inside the center like the PA or like Raiz Mzanzi, that the opposition parties, excluding the EFF and the, and the rats and mice, ANC rats and mice in parliament, could get close to forty percent in twenty twenty four, and I don't think that's that's wishful thinking. That's that's a real possibility. Now, if that happens, uh, it will be a great signal to South Africans generally, and it will be the first phase of the transition. And if that happens, probably then that means automatically that Gauteng and KwaZulu itself could go to the to the multi-party charter or to uh, different coalitions, which means your first phase of the transition would have happened. Obviously, I know that the party, the, the charter parties, must tell their supporters, "We're going for a win. We're, we're going for a bust." You know, fully fifty-one percent, and I think their supporters expect nothing less. But looking at it objectively, as it, as things stand now, that that would be highly unlikely. And I think, in a certain sense, I made a point in a recent article that perhaps for the country, a three-phase transition is not not a bad one. Because let's say the ANC gets 32% of the vote. And even with the EFF possibility of a coalition, they can't get to even 45%. There may be members of the ANC who would refuse to accept this outcome, and it could lead to political instability and even violence. So a slower transition could probably be better for the country. Now, there are people saying we can't afford another five years. I'm not part of the Amogedon sort of theory that at some point a country is so bad that it's gone. I think we're far, far from that. Things are bad, but another five years won't kill us. And if we can get a peaceful transition as we had in 94, through that uh, sort of phased transition, I think it's a good thing. So to answer your question, I think the multi-party charter started the process of possible opposition coalitions and other centrist parties. 
that could get rid of the ANC by 2029. Do you think enough is being done from civil society to bring about transformation in the country? You've got various movements getting together now in this something that almost resembles the UDF. Is enough being done? Are religious leaders doing enough? Is business doing enough? On, on average, I don't think so. Let me take you back when in the late 80s, early 90s, an organization that I was part of, a consultative business movement, tried to form a movement of business leaders, initially companies, to just be in dialogue with between business community and all the opposition parties or the uh, mass democratic movement at the time. And companies were generally too afraid to stick out their necks for that. And so what we did is we, we actually asked 40 individual business leaders, sometimes with the knowledge of their companies and sometimes not even with that, to form the CBM. And, and the CBM became a very, uh, very successful organization in helping to facilitate that change. We were the secretariat to the peace process. We were the secretariat at Kudesa and the administration of the multi-party process. But at that time, the national party government was too strong and business people, with, companies were just too scared. Exactly the same thing happens today. Many companies are too scared to, in, in public, oppose the ANC. They would rather try to help uh, the government than they say they help the country, and perhaps they do. But I don't believe it's going to work because what I said in the beginning about the ANC being incapable of doing things, incompetent, where those great plans are being thought out on the ground, there's neither the willingness nor the nor the capacity to carry a best plan. So I don't think business is doing enough. They would say that they're doing that, but I don't think that's enough. Uh, the churches, we find the same, that church leaders, perhaps with the exception of some, uh, are very hesitant, and they use the same thing that the churches in the 1980s, 90s used. We don't want to become politically involved. Now, whether one likes it or not, the country is in trouble, and I think the churches should, should take a stand. And there are some church leaders who look at this. NGOs are slightly more independent, not as dependent on government for funding. So they come out, but they're not really coordinated. Unions, you know, you've got Kusatu still siding with uh, with the ANC. Seftu of the Zima Lobby recently helped, uh, joined the EFF in their protest. And so you basically got Fedusa and Solidarity, who, who may be part of this, uh, and, and they may, may play a role. And then you've got academics and you've got professional people. I believe if the charter process as well as the opposition parties like Rising Zanzi and, and Borsa would show some traction that those type of people will come together because there are many organization initiatives. I think the weakness is that they all working separately. And, and my sense is that if one could get a meeting of all those initiatives, together and say, let's form a kind of federation, then you're close to the UDF. Not as, as substantial as the UDF, but it's a different time. problem with some of these organizations, however, and, and Mgeza Zibi at, at one meeting said it well, I won't mention the name of the organization, but one of these who was formed in, in sort of reaction to the Zuma debacle, he said the problem with this organization is that the minority of those people want to defend our democracy at all costs against whomever. The majority of organizations there want to defend on democracy as long as the ANC stays in power. And they haven't 
realize that the ANC is the problem with our democracy. And I hope that this phase transition will also give them the perspective and the light that that's the problem is that we must cross the ANC Rubicon. They've had their chance. They, they as an organization is on the downfall and it won't turn around. Jens Elof, thanks so much for speaking to me. Pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Linda.